I come to you with boldness from Christ as Paul because the Lord is so good. And I just thank you so much for Pastor Jeff. We are so blessed to have Pastor Jeff as our pastor and our shepherd. His mentorship and his teaching is phenomenal. It's hard to hold a candle to him, but the uh, Lord goes before me. I'm going to be talking about a topic today that is very tough for a lot of us. It's a topic that we all probably are going through, or maybe not. A topic that we seem to struggle with at all times. I'm going to share scripture with you. There's, if, if I was to grab all the scriptures that would compare to this topic, we would be here for a week. There are so many scriptures in the Bible that gives us an outlook on how to deal with trials, suffering, tribulation, temptation. The topic is life hurts, but God heals. You know, Jeff sent out an email and he told me that uh, he was going to do this slowly. He said I would start doing announcements and then maybe do a devotion on Wednesday. And then I get an email. He says, I'm going to put both feet in the fire and you're going to cover for me for today. And I felt my body, just my temperature, just go up. And then an email followed after that. Did you see your name? Yes, I saw my name. But praise God, it's, it's, it's a privilege to be here. And that, you know, I, I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking with you today. Because I find myself in trials and tribulations myself. Things that I never thought I'd ever deal with. Things that I would never even imagine that I would have to come up against. You know, pray, Jeff is such a prayer warrior. And he's always there for us. And we we're praying. And he prayed, Lord... I just pray that you would bless his socks off. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Sales, I'm looking forward to the new customers, and I'm looking for, man, that big customer. Well, God had a different plan for socks blown off. His socks are different. I went to work the following Monday, and at that time I was let go. And it was a challenge. But, I called my wife. Our wives are such a blessing. And it's been a tough road. It has its challenges like every job. And I'm like, I'm bawling like a big baby, you know. If you know me, I I tear up. I don't watch Extreme Home Makeover anymore. (laughs) I'm glad that that's off the show, but you know. But then it's, my 10-year-old son does the same thing, you know. He'll tear up. No, no, I'm not crying. He'll get to that point where he can't deny it. But the thing is, is this. God has a plan for us all. And I called my wife and I was like, maybe I shouldn't call her. I'm trying to wipe the tears and I'm trying to see going down the 91 freeway. And her, her response was this. God's been trying to get you out of there. And you will work hard. And you'll just keep on doing. You'll keep on doing. And this was the way God did it. And, yeah, it breaks me up a little bit. It does. But putting this study together, Jeff gave me a whole month to think about it. Dwell on it. He says, pick a topic. A topic that's true on your heart. Well, when you're in the midst of a fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego getting thrown into that fiery furnace, Jesus was in the midst with them. 
And when you're going to speak on something, it's cool, and you're going through the file yourself, fire yourself, and man, you can speak volume. And the thing is, is I am nobody special by no means. I'm just a crackpot that loves Jesus. And you know what? I get to surround myself with youth, and they have no concept of trials and tribulations. They think losing at a game and not getting candy from me is the ultimate temptation and trial. But see, as we go through the scriptures today, we're going to see that God has a better plan for all of us. That we don't focus on what's here today. We focus on the big picture in heaven. And a lot of you may be sitting here right now going through a situation. Maybe it's a friend, a loved one that you're just not getting along with. Maybe it's work. I can relate to that. Stretching you, challenges. But you know, my past boss now is a believer. And we both had the conversation where God's going to bless this. And I'll see his glory through it for both him and me. And that's the attitude we have to have. And as I go through this, you'll see that. Okay, so I'm not speaking at you. I'm speaking from the heart. I'm in the midst of the battle just like everyone else. And we're going to get through it. How do we react when we face the trials and tribulations? Only you can answer that. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. We're going to see that. Do we give up or do we turn to God and the Bible? And the Word of God. That's where we're going to find our foundation. That's where we're going to find our strength. Trials are something we all will face as Christians. We need to learn to get through them by keeping the faith and praying. It is easier said than done, I know. As I'm there. And there's times I'm strong and there's times you're weak. But as a body, As brothers and sisters, it's an opportunity for us to come alongside of one another in strength. I had a brother that was here first service, and man, for seven years he's been going through trials, and we're seeing the grace of God now in in his ministry and stuff. And he came up, and we both cried. We embraced each other. There was a gentleman that was in devotion time, and God just put a verse on his heart to give to me. He goes, I never do this. So, here. I took it home and read it with my wife and we just cried. Because the Word of God is more valuable than anything. We have things that we want or need to provide, but the Word of God comforts us in those times. And it's humility that we have problems with. Our pride gets in our way. That's where I'm learning. I've always been a giver. I'll give you the shirt off my back. It's easier to give than it is to receive. If anybody tells you different, they're wrong. You be on the side that receives, and it's humbling. It is so humbling. But there's fruit in it. There's value to it. We know that we are all, we are to be praying and in the Word daily during our trials which is not always our first thought. But actually, we should be doing it from the beginning. 
Not when you're in the trials, not when you're in the tribulation, not when you're suffering, but we should be doing it daily. We should be doing it when everything's great. We love blue skies, but it's not until we see God's grace and mercy in the storms. That's when God reveals himself. Our prayers are so different when everything's great. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And you're running out the door. But then when you go through a trial situation, you're on your knees, you're praying specifically, you're bawling, you're crying, and it's totally different. That's the way we should be before they come. So we are strong to the beginning to the end. And that's where our foundation comes from, from the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for this glorious day and this message that you have put on my heart. I would pray for each and every one here today, Lord, if they are here going through a circumstance, a trial, a situation, hurt, suffering, anger, loss of job, whatever it is, marital problems, Lord, this message is for them as much as it is for me. I would pray, Father, that you would just break down the walls that give us that contrite heart so your word cannot penetrate. But that you would penetrate our hearts in a way, Father, that we would reflect on these verses. I would pray, Lord, that we would hold it dear in our hearts. So when we go through these trials and these situations, we can turn to you and not ourselves. So we ask this in your precious name. Amen. If you turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. We're going to be reading from 1 through 8. Now, working with the junior high and stuff, you don't have to talk about trials too often. They don't understand what it is. Um, and then when we talk to other people, it's so easy to say, Rejoice! while under trials. And we can remember it's always James that says that. Oh, rejoice. You're going to see the silver lining. And we kind of slap them on the back and say, Okay, amen, you know. But is that really enough? We need to understand what it means to rejoice. Please follow along with me. In verse 1 it says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to you, to him, sorry. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. We can relate to those verses, can't we? Let's talk about James for a second. James, a bondservant, the ultimate servant, a person that just all he wants to do is serve God. Not James, the brother of Jesus. Humility, humbleness, he comes to him. As a brother in Jesus Christ, he's not the brother in this, he says. 
He was a man of humility. He simply considered himself as a servant and before others. James was known as an unusually good man. Unusually good. Not sometimes good. Unusually. It also was said that he spent a lot of time on his knees praying. That he had calluses on his knees like camel's knees. Ew. You know, we see shirts that say, a man of God spends his time on his knees. I'm paraphrasing. And it shows a pair of jeans with holes in them. But to be on your knees so much that you have calluses to look like camels. Camels are an ugly animal. They, I'm sorry, they're, you know, you look at their knees and tell me if they got sweet knees. No, they don't. But here they're comparing his knees from praying to a camel. It blows me away. You know, we we know these verses, we know these scriptures, but when you take them and you study them, like God wants us to do, we read through the Bible as a story, okay? But when we apply it, we break it down, and it speaks to us in ways. We see stuff. I had no clue that James was running around with knees looking like camels, and that he, he was a man that was unusually good. He's just a man trying to ask us to do something we can't do on our own. Rejoice while under trial. Twelve tribes is a reference to the Jewish people that were scattered throughout the world. He had come, who had come to the knowledge of the true Messiah and became believers of Jesus. He's greeting them. He's speaking to them. Now, I'm not a person that speaks Greek. And it wasn't until this lesson that I understood that the Greek word paramos is the same word used for either trial or temptation. The same word. Definition of those two words. We know there's a difference between a trial and a temptation. Temptation comes from the enemy, Satan. And the trial comes from God to refine us through fire, like precious gold. What God sends or allows as a trial, which strengthened our, which, I'm sorry, what God sends or allows as a trial will strengthen our faith. Satan, on the other hand, will try to turn the trial into a temptation. Satan wants to tear down and wipe us out. You ever felt like you've been kicked and knocked down? From your trials or suffering? I have. It's, it's crazy. If we could choose our own trial, what kind of trial or suffering would we pick? Something we could handle easy, right? I don't know what it is that I would pick. But it wouldn't be what I'm going through. We don't have that choice. We don't have that choice to choose. God chooses it for a reason. But God wants to show us how faithful He is. And how real he can be. You see, Satan wants us to stumble and fall away from the Lord. But on the other side of the situation or trial, God wants us to become stronger in our faith and have a deeper relationship with him. That's God's goal. One or the other. One or the other. You ever notice that we give God all of our attention when things are bad? But when things are just great, we're like on a holiday, vacation. We don't, we don't give God a time of day sometimes. 
And then we wonder and moan why we're in trials. God wants our attention. In the book of Job, we see Satan trying to wipe him out and afflicting him physically, causing him to lose his family and ruining him financially. But God was showing how faithful he would be. As a result, all of history would marvel at the studying how in the midst of what Satan meant for evil, God used is for his good. He sustained Job all the way through and rewarded him ultimately. I think we all want to be rewarded ultimately. Living by faith is living in confidence, bold obedience to God's word, his call, his commands, and his promises, regardless of the circumstances and regardless of the consequences. We have a problem with the word regardless because God has the final say-so. But we're like, but, 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 take this away, take this away. In verse 2, let's go back to verse 2. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Joy. Rejoice. That's not always easy. I don't know about you, but I wasn't finding that when I got hit with the deadly blow as Satan would like it to be. That's not my response. Why me, God? Why? Why? I'm faithful. I go to church. Why? Why is it happening to me? I find myself on my knees crying out, asking God to take me away from it. Take it out of my life. You know, after the first day of a trial, we're ready. We're done with it. We don't. We just take it. Get out of here. I proved myself. Do you ever wonder why trials don't go that way? If God gave us everything we prayed for, as long as it was in line with his word, and he gave it to us all the time and answered our prayers instantly, we would have no need for him. We would have no faith. We would not rely on his word and his promises. We would just, right now, and we'd just take it for granted. We don't learn anything when we take it for granted. You know, it's like when we give our kids something. If we buy it, you know, they don't really take care of it. But if they buy it, oh my goodness. You know? Family, parents with kids with cell phones. I don't know how many stories driving kids across the mountain for MPH. Oh, I lost my phone. I broke it. And you got another one? Yeah, they just do that for me. It's insured for indefinitely. But if they buy it, oh my gosh. You know, they take care of it and everything. Those are the things that we kind of think about. Trials are outside circumstances, conflicts, sufferings, and troubles. And the outside of us. Not on the inside. We choose to take it and put it inside of us. We choose to make it more than what it is. My wife hates this phrase, but I say 10% is the problem, and 90% is what you do with it. If you think about it, it's so true. It's so true. What do you choose to do with it? You know, it's kind of like the positive speaking. If you say it's going to be hot today, it's going to be hot today. And you're going to be really hot. Drive down the hill, you're in the 100 degree. Oh, man, you feel like it's 300 degrees. Well, if you don't put any thought to it and just go through the day, it's, it's done. As believers, we, are, we all encounter trials. 
In my Bible notes under verse 2, it says this. Trials are not pleasant. Really? Okay. But believers are to consider them as opportunities for rejoicing. You ever think about it like that? Opportunity. I don't call that an opportunity. That's an opportunity to be on my knees and crying and feeling sorry for myself. And then it says, troubles and difficulties are a tool which refines and purifies our faith. Refines and purifies our faith. Producing patience and endurance. Yesterday we are at the Pine Cone Festival. I've been up here for 15 years and it was my first adventure to one. It was kind of cool. I like seeing this stuff, but there was a guy there with gold. And he was letting Danny sift through it and showing him how to do gold mining and stuff. It's a process, isn't it? Here you see this mound of sand. And he says, oh, we go out to the desert and scoop it up. The only thing I go to the desert for, you chase lizards or ride your dirt bike through there. I don't look at it as a gold or something, but that's where he was getting his dirt. And he's processing, he's panning it. And, it, you know, it's like 15 minutes to get three little flakes. Not going to get rich on that. But it's a process. It's a refining process. Persecutions, afflictions, sufferings of one kind or another with endurance will prove our faith. Hold on to that word endurance because I'll be back to it. And helps build us into the kind of person that Christ came to make us. He came to make us. It wasn't natural. As soon as you were born and you let out your first scream, doesn't mean you were perfect. Born into a life of sin. But He came. He came for us. Peter calls trials precious. Peter, really? The man that denies God, precious. Peter learned. In 1 Peter 1.7 it says this, that the genuineness, genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The process. The process of refining. Well, endurance, I find it difficult. Unless it's doing something I want to do. Put me on the ball field, I'll play until I drop dead. I'll run those bases until I break a leg. Ben, there actually is an ACL. But, yeah. And I still played. Stupid. Really, you, you wrap your knee and your ACL is fully blown and your leg's going like this. I'm going to catch. We need an extra player, okay? It's going to be an out. We have endurance for dumb things, don't we? Things that have no matter on our future. Endurance to, man, take these kids to Magic Mountain? Holy smokes. I don't do rides. My equilibrium's way out. But I have fun anyway. I take a squirt bottle and squirt people. A group of people, you spray water over their heads and they try and figure out where it's coming from. It's hilarious. But the endurance to keep up with them. The only way we survive is because we wait outside the line for three hours because that's how long they're in line for. But it's a good time. I endure it because I love it. For the youth, 
For the Lord, I love it. Trials, I hate. I despise them. I've got to endure those. Lord, really? Send me to Magic Mountain again. It's 100 degrees when we go. It's hot. Sticky. I don't care. It's easy. Take 70 youth to surf camp. Piece of cake. Love it. Endurance for a trial? No. No. Patience? You know, our culture does not know what patience is. I don't like patience myself. Because that means I have to wait on somebody else instead of me. And as a father, that is my downfall because it's easier just to do it than it is to teach it. And you have to have patience. Teaching a youth how to paint a room and it's all over the place and you got to go back? Um, I don't know. But you learn, you teach, and you have patience. Paint, you can paint again and again. And then you have a lovely daughter that you master it with, and we can conquer any room. But the thing is, it's the patience. And today's society have no concept of it. Let's talk about cell phones. You text somebody. You wait 30 seconds. I'll forget that. You call them. Then you get my text. (laughs) Well, you know, I was in the restroom or something. I'm not answering it or whatever the reason is. Now. I talked to a client. It blows me away. Married couples, don't do this. It's not good. Husband on one end of the couch, wife on the other. They're texting each other. Can you imagine? Come on, honey, pick it up. Answer me. Patients don't exist. Multimedia, we don't want to wait. Fast foods are a killing. I waited five minutes in that line. I want it three minutes. I want it two minutes. And you complain because the burger's not cooked. The thing is, patients are so hard for us to deal with. So hard to deal with it. A good friend of mine and his family just moved up on the mountain. Excited about it. But it didn't happen overnight. You can't plan things out overnight. If you do, you're going to fail. Everything has to be done in the right timing. Let's look at verses 3 and 4. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work. Not that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Man. Anybody here lacking nothing? Get out of here. Get out of here. I can't handle it. No. We're not lacking nothing. We're lacking a lot. We will never be complete until we see Jesus eye to eye. And at that point, we will fall on our face and praise the Lord. We will worship the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Great. We get a crown with rubies or stones in it. Man, I'm just going to put it at his feet. I don't want it. I don't want to even touch my head. The thing is, It's Christ. And we are not going to be perfect without Him. Patience is in the time of suffering. It's the ability to wait calmly and enjoy. Anybody can do that? No hands? Okay, good. I'm in the right crowd. 
for that day that Jesus wipes away our tears. He better have a big hanky or a Kleenex for mine. Because I'm a big guy. Chuck was here first service. And me and him are known as the crying brothers. Ever since I've known Chuck, we just look at each other. But Jeff is the same way. You know, Jeff has such a compassion. I remember when I first, when he first came to our church to speak, and we were in that little house over in Arrow Bear. And my father had passed away just before we got married. And he just looked at me, and you could see the tears in my eyes. And just at an instant, he started crying. He didn't even know who I was, let alone my dad. Compassion. Compassion and love. Patience works perfection. We are just poor sinners saved by God's grace. But perfection is our ultimate goal. One day we'll be perfect like Him. I can't wait for that. The way things are going, it may not be long. It may not be long. In 1 John 3, 2, it says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. That's perfect. That is perfect. I talk about not holding up a candle to Jeff. I can't hold a candle candle up to God by no means. In verse 5 it says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reapproach, and it will be given to him. He says given to you, not withheld, not maybe, but given, directly given to you. That's pretty awesome. The wisdom of God gives us, gives is not necessary how to get out of the trial, but rather insight on what to learn and accomplish through that trial. I don't know about you, I'm 50 wonderful, and I'm done with school. But God has a lot for me to learn. God has a lot to teach me. And through this circumstance, I would have never known it. I'm not saying I was a prideful person, but, you know, you don't know until you hit rock bottom. And you know what? This ain't rock bottom. It's not. Rock bottom is when you don't have a relationship with God and you have nowhere to turn. That's rock bottom. In prayer, we're supposed to ask for the wisdom of God, and it begins with admiration to the Almighty. Sometimes we really forget who we pray to. We don't pray with faith. We don't take reverence to who we're praying to. And we don't spend any time in prayer. And a lot of times, I don't even wait for the answer for prayer. Because that's when you have to sit quiet, patient, endure, All three of those in one? No, I can't do that. I fall asleep. I can't sit still. I've got to run. I've got to move. In verse 6, it says, But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Our men and ladies just went on a fishing trip. And fishing was good. 
better than it's ever been for our church when we went out. But there was a hurricane, I believe it was, out in the coast. Going out, it wasn't so bad, but coming back, they had a big wave go over the back of the boat. And I don't know who it was sitting in the back. Jay probably knows, but they got doused. Me, myself, I don't do the fishing thing. I can't handle the waves. But is our faith like the ocean? Is it tossed and turned, causing destruction? Does it lead us down the wrong path? I don't think the gentleman standing on the back of the boat was expecting to be baptized by a huge wave. (laughs) And I hope someone grabbed their ankles because they all came back safe. But that's kind of scary. Kind of watching that show Deadly Catch and those guys are out there. No thanks. I will stay here. Share the Word of God. Unwavering faith that stands sure and undisturbed by doubt. Undisturbed. Doubt creeps in when we overthink things. Doubt creeps in. And that turns to temptation. It turns to things that we want to do instead of turning to the Lord. Temptations of whatever. Things that are not of God. In Mark 9.23 it says, Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible to who believes. Not doubts. If you doubt it, then you don't have faith. You don't have belief. And all things won't work out for your good. In verses 7 and 8, let's take a look at those. This is for not that man supposed that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. We try to think things out. We ponder on what's over here, what's over here. And basically what it is, is like having two souls. One for Christ and one focused on the world. I call that spiritual warfare. Because we go through it. The world tells us one thing and God tells us another. As a, as a body of Christ, we can come alongside of someone that's going through a trial and speak volume to them just by praying and keeping them in prayer. We're being blessed beyond means of just people praying and this just showering of love and Scripture and gifts And it's hard to receive it because your pride gets in the way. But God calls His saints to be faithful. And if God puts something on your heart to do, we're to do it. And we're not supposed to take a blessing from somebody. It's easier to give than it is to receive. Like having... Okay, I'm sorry, I read that. Okay, Matthew 6.24 It says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one... And love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You know, the thing is, is a lot of times trials come in our lives because God wants us to get, He wants to get our attention. Maybe we're living a life of sin. Maybe we have something in our lives that God wants us to give up. Maybe it's something that God is not pleased with, and He allows our trials to come. And all we can do is ask God to reveal it to us. Or maybe He just wants to stretch us. 
me standing right here, this is a stretch. But praise God for the opportunity to do it. Praise God that we can go out in boldness like Paul did and share the Word of God. I had so many conversations at that festival yesterday, and I was rejoicing. And I'm like, man, I should be like crying around saying, oh dear, oh me, oh my. But instead, I was talking to people and just sharing God. Whether it was youth, seeing some of our youth in the fife and drum, just totally blessed me to see him out there. Or maybe someone else has a problem. Take my eyes off of myself and focus on them. Our trials don't seem so big then. We're going to take a look at a few other scriptures. And if you have a pencil, you might want to write them down. So I'm going to go through them and I won't give you enough time to turn your Bibles there. James 1.12, it says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the victor's crown, the life God has promised to those who love him. We're not talking about the Burger King crown. We're talking about God's crown, crown of life. We are supposed to rejoice. There's that word again. In Romans 5, 3 through 5, it says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. He gave us a helper. He gave us something that would speak to us in our spirit, in our soul, that would convict us of wrong and lead us to, to what is right. A helper. In Romans 8.18 it says, I think that we suffer in this life can never be compared to the glory as yet unrevealed which is awaiting for us. The big picture. Don't get caught up in what you're dealing with now. Keep your eyes on Jesus and see how he's going to pull you out. See what's on the other side because this, this is only temporary. Materialistic things, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Having the newest and the best, you know, every car that we have is well over 100,000 miles. They're paid for. Praise God for that. I may smoke a little bit. Don't get behind me in my Subaru. Sue. <laughs> but you know what? Keep my eyes on Jesus. Keep my eyes on Jesus. It's all going to burn. And in Hebrews chapter 10, 35-37, it says, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance. So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. A little while. Our little while's a day. Maybe an hour. But God's timing is totally different and it's perfect. Advice from Jesus is found in scriptures as well. Revelation 2.10 it says, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. 
Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. What a promise. What a promise. Don't claim the enemy is attacking you instead of remind the enemy of his future. In Revelations 3.10 says, Because you have kept my commandment to endure trials, I will keep you safe in the time of trial, which is going to come for the whole world. The whole world. Big picture, isn't it? whole world suffering right now, isn't it? They're saying this EBOI is worse than the AIDS epidemic in Africa. Things around us are just part of this sinful world. Our eyes are to be kept on God. We find ourselves not looking at the big picture. God is preparing us for our eternal life. This life will all one day fade away. And you know what? Let it fade. Let it fade away right now. You know, the joke in our house is, Lord, bring the rapture before mortgages do, you know? <laughs> Just, you know, I'm ready. My bags aren't packed and I don't care because I don't need any. It's a joke, but it's true. See, the thing is, is another joke that we say so liberally is, I'm blessed. I'm vertical. I'm not horizontal. But do you realize that when we go through trials, we are horizontal? Meaning that we reach out to the world for strength. We reach out to the things of this world to get us through it. But we're supposed to be vertical, in line with God. So His blessings and promises can be poured down to our our lives and our hearts. Now, some of you probably ain't going to use that joke anymore. I'm vertical. I'm blessed. Not horizontal. All right, the good news. 1 Peter chapter 4, 12-14. This says, Beloved, that's us, because we're so loved. Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceedingly joy. Joy again. If you are reapproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, He is blasphemed. But on your part, He is glorified. We need to be glorifying God. If we take our eyes off of what it is we're dealing with and focusing on God, we are going to be released from it. And some of you may be sitting here, man, I'm too young. I don't have no trials. She said, no, I'm not going to the prom. Okay, that's your trial. Okay, great. Whatever. They come. They come. They have circumstances. And through them, we strengthen and if you are not going through any, maybe as a Christian we need to evaluate where our walk is. Because when we're a threat with the enemy, we get attacked. We get attacked. The big picture, Romans 8.28. We all know this so well. And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God. 
to those who are called according to His purpose. Did you notice it says His purpose and not Dan's purpose or Brett's purpose or anybody else's purpose? It's His purpose. If we keep our eyes on Him and ask Him what we're supposed to learn through this, He will reveal it to us. He will. And sometimes our trials are tough. Seven years. I don't know. God knows. But He's there in the midst of it. Romans 8.35 says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? That's verse 35. 37 through 39 answers it so well with a bold no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. I think it covers everything there. But you realize that we can separate ourselves from God's love by our actions and how we respond to His calling or what He has for us. I found this quote from A.W. Tozer, and it's so awesome. It says, As long as we remain in the body, we shall be subject to a certain amount of that common suffering which we all share with the sons of men. But there is another kind of suffering known only to the Christian. It is voluntary suffering, deliberately and knowingly incurred for the sake of Christ. Such is a luxury, a treasure of fabulous value. And it is rare as well as precious, for there are few in the corrupt age who will on their own own choice to go down into a dark mine looking for jewels. God will not force us into this kind of suffering. He will not lay his cross upon us or embarrass us with riches we do not want. Such riches are reserved for those who apply to serve in the legion of the expendables, who love not their lives unto death, who volunteer to suffer for Christ's sake, and who follow up their application with lives that challenge the devil and invite the fury of hell. Such as these have said goodbye to the world's toys. They have accepted toil and suffering as their earthly portion. The marks of the cross are upon them and they are known in heaven and in hell. But where are they? Has this breed of Christian died? Out of the earth. You know, when we go through our trials 
and situations, we're a witness to the ones that are around us. Because the one that does not have a relationship with God is watching you. And trust me, they're watching with anxious thoughts to see how you're going to deal with it. They want to see how your God is going to pull you through. And if you think about it, that is when our God shows up and shows up big, in a big way. And then we share the praise reports. I don't know what God has in store for me. My whole desire is just to do ministry full time. I love it. I just love sharing God. I love whatever it has to do with God. You can screw people with a water bottle and love God. You can have youth put their face in whipped cream with a sour gumball and still love God. We can have fun loving God and we can live our lives loving God. But it's set apart from this world. I'm thankful when the Lord reminds me of the correct perspective. This life is not intended to satisfy. It can't complete me. It can't complete me. It can't find contentment in it, only in Christ. This fallen world will continue to leave an empty, leave me empty with, if I look to it, but the Lord fills us and leaves us running over with peace, joy, and fulfillment. Living water. My hope lies in heaven. What kind of witness are we going to show? What kind of witness are we going to be when we bear these trials and tribulations? What's the world going to see? Because you know what? It's the easiest way to win a heart to the Lord. Because it speaks volume. It is not easy. But it surely speaks the volume for Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just, I just come to you just in humility, Lord. In a way that you would want me to rely on you totally. And Father, I pray for each and every one out here. Maybe there's a whole handful of us out here that needs to look to you in humility. And to rely on you and trust you with everything of our lives. Our mortgage, our health, our food where you have us going, who we're going to witness to, what are we going to learn through these trials. Meet us all, Father, right now in the midst of our storm. May we not be double-minded and tossed around like the waves of the sea. May we not serve two gods, but only you, Lord. Help us keep our eyes on you, Lord. Bless them. Pour out your blessings on them in your precious name. Amen.